This is Coda Radio, episode 156 for June 1st, 2015. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and absolutely joining us every single week is our excellent host, who is most definitely established on the East Coast. Why, yes, friends, is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Uh, Mr. President, I, I'd like to request the remaining five minutes of the other side's time, please. <laughs> uh, that time is granted. You're not supposed to grant it. it. You have to, you no, have to no, I want to see what you do. No, I want to see what you do. I want to see what you got. <laughs> Misa here. Yeah, I thought it would go to Jar Jar. <laughs> Jar Jar is my default. It's yeah, like I understand. Else, I understand. Right? That's okay. You got Jar Jar. Um, that's fine. Uh, I've got Barry. He's a jackass. Oh, come on. Get out of here. At the top of the show, he does that stuff, too. So we got to get a new sound watch, guy. Did you watch uh, the debate on C-SPAN last night? No, I uh, very— it was, so, it was good. It was actually funny. I did, read, I did read a few transcript highlights, and I did grab a few clips of it in the recorded version. I just—you uh, know— I'm just, oh, I'm so burning out on this topic. It, it, it's not, you know, it's not Rand Paul getting all crunk for the cameras. It's not anything like that. The funny part is if you watch it live, you have all the aides and, like, it's none of the senators know the freaking rules. Right. It's uh, yeah. like there's this lady running back between the, the president of the Senate and all the senators. It's just like whispering. And the camera caught her on Rand Paul. He wants you to request the time first before you talk. Right. Like, oh, uh, can I have the five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, they just have aides that tell them everything. It's the aides that follow everything. Yeah, the aides do everything. And then yeah. they have a speech and they give yeah. the speech. And then uh, then uh, what John McCain gets really mad at you if you talk over him. That's, that's what happens. So uh, in the technology realm, not really uh, developer-related either. But this surprised me. Did you see that Windows 10 is getting an availability date uh, for PCs and tablets of July 29th? I did. That is soon. lightning quick. That is yeah. really soon. Uh, that is a get it out the door soon. What do you think? Too soon? They put a, they put an upgrade to Windows 10 on July 10th on SoundCloud. Really? SoundCloud? Wow. Microsoft. Hmm. I don't know. Too soon? I mean, they, I hear the, uh, the preview builds are pretty solid, so. Really? Who do you hear that from? The tech press uh, who can't quit drooling over themselves to try the new toys? That's who I hear it from. Well, I can assure you that I've never seen this man's penis. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, yeah, I remember. That has burned into permanent memory. Yeah, okay, I understand. Permanent hairy memory. Uh, yeah, I uh, I agree, Mr. Dominic. Um, yeah. Oh, boy, well, you really distracted me with that. Boy, you got me all funky now. I don't know what to do with it. So coming up on today's episode of the Coda Radio program, uh, we're going to get into uh, our takes on Google I.O. And... Um, I, I saved all of my notes for this show. I've been sitting on all of it, so i got a lot to talk about. Some big stuff coming up in Google I.O. Then also there looks to be a new project that promises to decentralize GitHub. And with some of the issues we've talked about before with GitHub, I'd be curious to get Mr. Dominic's take on that. And then as we yes. round out the show towards the end, we do have some emails to get to. So we have a lot to cover today. Should we start with Google I.O.? Are you ready to start there? Oh, I, 
I have a raging Android for this. Yeah. All right. So, um, okay. Wow. I, uh, I'm ready to talk about that. Why don't we start with uh, Android M? I think that's probably uh, the first area to warm up hey, on. Hey, 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 hey. Let's start at the top, Chris. Let's not bury the lead. I was right. About Brillo? Yes, I was, baby. I was going to get to it. You knew it was coming. Yeah, you knew it was coming. You're right. You actually totally called it. They called it a fork of Android. And then what I love, here's what I loved about their Brillo presentation, is they call it, it is based on Android, and then they talked about all the things the kernel does, how it provides networking and I.O. and file system support. And I'm like, you mean the Linux kernel? Hey, listen, what, what is better than slapping a new name on something that you've already made or in this case, already had, you know, given to you, and just resell it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so you were right about Brillo. Uh, Google's going in to the Internet of Things OSs, and they seem to have some pretty good partnerships. They've also announced, like, a common, the the Weave Connection Framework, or Fabric as they call it, which is like a, a common, basically, spec that all these devices can use to communicate with each other. So they've, they're providing the operating system and the standards, and they have some partnerships already in place. What do you think? I think it's uh, potentially a big deal. I mean, by, like I said on last week's, by going with Android, they're opening up a lot of developer uh, ability. It's yeah. just going to be cost-efficient to work with. And frankly, I, I don't see a real competitor. I mean, Ubuntu, or rather Canonical's offerings, probably. Yeah. Here's my, I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's my take on it. Um, I, I, I like the idea of Brillo. They don't have a story for it yet. They don't have any idea what it's actually going to be used for. And here's why I say that. Um, Their demo or the example they gave up on stage is a farmer managing her farm from her smartphone. That actually to me is insulting to farmers, that their farm is so simple that they could manage all of those complicated devices from their smartphone. Screw you, Google. That's insulting. That, 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 what that sounds like is a bunch of computer geeks sitting in an office and in PhDs that are minimizing how much work running a farm is. And so when they come up with an idea of how you can do Internet of Things, well, farm devices are, are big things that could take devices. And uh, farmers aren't smart enough to use computers, so we'll give them smartphones, and they're good to go. So they don't really have an actual story there other than some arrogant uh, uh, solution for it. But uh, I think it's interesting that they are basing it derived from Android was the word they used, derived from Android. They say it uses the Linux kernel, the hardware Action layer and then the Android API layer. Uh, but here is the number one thing, kind of what you touched on, and they said this. This is a direct quote that they said on stage. Based on Android, gives it immediate scale. Many, many device manufacturers can use it. In other words, these guys are already set up to build Android devices. They know how to build to spec to an Android device. It's an, Building to Android gives them requirements that they must meet. It tells them what kind of processors and memory and chipsets and radios that they have to use. It gives them basically the instructions to build the little thing. So when you can say you just have to build to an Android spec, you are opening yourself up to basically any Chinese manufacturer in China that has worked with Android before. So that's a huge, huge deal. Uh, and so then, you, then they also amount, uh, announced Weave, uh, which they call a common language for devices with standardized schemas. And, you know, I, as, as somebody who has a, I hate calling him this, but a couple of internet things in this house right now, and neither one of them can talk to each other, that'd be an interesting idea. So that is Brillo, the Internet of Things. Yeah. We'll see where it goes, I suppose. Yeah, right? I mean, that, that, they're, they're offering a full package. But, I, you know, I wouldn't count Canonical out just yet. I mean, I, I just want to kind of walk back because I think I implied that I thought Canonical was sunk in terms of Android. I think Android will do really well. They'll probably be the leader, but I I think you know, cannot, there's always a Coke and a Pepsi, right? I think Canonical could be the Pepsi in this case. 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, Google is really good at getting all the Chinese manufacturers to talk their spec. That, that, that's going to be the thing that kills you. You know what would be amazing for Canonical is if they could get like a company like Samsung on board to use Ubuntu Snappy for Canonical's crazy range of, or for Samsung's crazy range of products that they make. Then they'd really have something yeah. there. They'd really have something. Uh, well, so, they also own Nest, right? So they could kind of lead the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why Google's doing this is because they've got Nest yeah. and Dropcam. Um, I had some quick thoughts on where. Do you want to hear those? Oh, I also picked up a Moto 360 because it was on sale. Really? So what have you thought? So how long have you had it? A couple of days? What? I don't have it. It ships. Oh, um, okay. I should. Sadly, I'll have it right after next week's show, according, oh, to, uh, okay. according to FedEx. But I... Uh, I'm actually going to be using Android for, for a project. So when I saw the sale, I jumped on it. Right. Good opportunity, yeah. And the 360 yeah. is still a pretty popular one. Well, it's, it's inexpensive and it's round, which is surprisingly nice. important to me. <laughs> uh, so I, I think Android Wear right now has a pretty good – couple of good legs up over a- Apple Watch. And, you know, I don't have a ton of hands-on experience with Apple Watch. My wife has one and I've played with it a bit. Um, Does but, she? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, she got an Apple Watch. We did a faux show where we compared the two, and since even that faux show, which is only a few weeks ago, Android Wear has gotten even better. I got a new update that changed quite a bit of things. So Android Wear has always-on screen mode, which is kind of cool on a lot of these devices because having the watch face always-on and the battery still lasts almost all day, or really all day with the always-on watch face. You just have to charge it every night with always-on watch. They've extended the always-on watch face to also support always-on apps. So like mm. Google Keep and Evernote can keep their lists up on my screen, but they switch to like a black and white version that uses way less power. So I don't, I don't have to keep watch, waking my watch up to see my Google Keep list, which is extremely nice. Uh, in, in other breaking news, you are the one user of Google Keep. No, no. Google Keep I think more, more and more people are using really. I don't really? Know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. And there's also, there's also some interesting apps, third-party apps for Wear that are much better than what's available on Apple Watch. Like uh, there's something called a Gold Swing Analyzer, and it's a golf swing analyzer, and it uses the Wear sensor data in your watch. Wait, what? What? Never, is that real? Yeah, dude. It uses the sensors in the watch, <laughs> and it, it, it analyzes your golf swing and feeds it back to the app and then teaches you how to golf better. Uh, crap. What? Why? What's wrong? Nothing. Let's just, uh, yeah, great. Happy to see that. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of other opportunities on the market for that, <clears throat> but it was God. demoed in the keynote. Uh, the guys uh, seem super stoked. <laughs> they said they have 4,000 apps for Android Wear. Only about a dozen were any good, though, in my opinion. Well, we just saw the live execution of a project. Really? Yes, we did. No, I mean... I that part of the keynote. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. You should go. I'm serious. All right, I, I, that literally is what I was doing. Golf Swing Analyzer. That's what it's called, I think, is Golf Swing Analyzer. Chance uh, that it's like Larry's little cousin and it sucks. Yeah, I mean, well, it did look particularly ugly, if I recall. So, And there's always room for more than one, right? Golf Swing Analyzer, Android. I don't even know what you'd search for. They demoed it, and I was like, I do totally get the idea, though. That Oh, okay. Golf Swing Analyzer. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so it, it feeds the data from where. Look, they support the Moto 360. And then uh, it uh, feeds, see, but the UI that it feeds back to is pretty rough. But the idea is pretty, pretty cool. You can watch your swing. Isn't that neat? And of course, the on screen graphics look horrible. But, uh, and they're charging $2 for that. <sighs> that should be a $9 app. <clears throat> you guys are killing me. All of you are killing me. 
There goes the golf dream. I had a dream. Oh, they even have it in Chinese, too. You... Well played, 9017 Golf Corp. Well played. What's it called when you lose a golf game? What's that, what's that called? <laughs> sucking. It's called sucking, Chris. Sorry, Mr. Dominic. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, you can oh, make and a- there's a pro version for $24. Oh, oh see, this is a different one. Oh, no, there's more than one. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, I love the free market. Okay, so moving right along. <laughs> All right, so that was our Android Wear update. You know what? Um, let's take a breather. That's pretty heavy. Let's let's talk about DigitalOcean just for a moment. Uh, let's woo, shake it off, everybody. Shake it off. Let's talk about something awesome like DigitalOcean. That's right, because DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. Look, you got a project, you got something you need to get done, you just need some infrastructure, or you want to test your app, and you want to do it on a fast server that's super, super reliable and extremely, extremely high value. Like, uh, check this out. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. So you're saving time, time is money, and pricing plans start at only $5 a month. $5 a month, you guys, is less than one burger a month. That's, an, that's amazing. And you really get super high-grade SSD-only cloud. DigitalOcean was super smart about this. They went SSD all in. And then they also have, like, so that's the back-end stuff. So that gives you an idea of what they do on the back-end. On the front-end, it's all web standards, like HTML5, root access with the console. And then they have, like, one of the best interfaces out there. And DigitalOcean is going to get you started in less than 55 seconds. So it really, come on. You can go try it right now. And if you use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, you get a $10 credit. Try it out two months for free. They got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. So for five dollars, you know you get a great rig, especially with how good Linux is with memory management. You're gonna get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, so you're gonna get great I/O, and you get a terabyte of transfer. And you can pick from their data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, great brand new one in Germany. Like, okay, so that's the basic layout. Uh, but then you go up in really easy increments. So go over to DigitalOcean, check them out, and then go to their pricing page. I love this about them. It's so straightforward. So $5 a month gets you 512 megabytes of RAM, one core, 20 gigabytes of SSD, and a terabyte of transfer. You go up to $10 a month. You get a gigabyte of memory. You get a little bit faster processor, a little more storage, two terabytes of transfer. You know, it's all very incremental. It makes so much sense, and the value is incredible. And I love this. They have hourly pricing. Now you think, why would you want hourly pricing? What would you do with hourly pricing? Well, so DigitalOcean has this great, great interface for managing your DigitalOcean droplets. And then you can do a lot of what you, or everything and more in their API. And so when you think about how you could use the API to programmatically spin up services on demand when you want to test something, you use the hourly price and you run it for a couple of hours during testing and then you programmatically spin it down using the API or even destroy the droplet or make a backup of it or template for a future project and then shut it down. And when you're paying hourly pricing, it's unbelievably cheap. And if you use our promo code, you're going to get an additional $10 credit, Coder Digital. Use the promo code CODER Digital when you check, or just apply it to your account. You don't have to check it. That's it's, it's habit. You get the ten dollars credit. Try the hourly pricing. That's going to last you for a really long time. I think that's that's a really compelling option because you can use the API to spin these things up. You use the hourly pricing, so it's incredibly valuable. You can do the templates, so it's even faster to get a rig going. So it's got all of your tools preloaded, all of your configs set up. And it's crazy fast, and it really makes you look pro, too, if you have clients. And then the really great part is when you're all done, you can just hand that droplet off to them. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. And by the way, they're hiring. 
check it out. They're hiring, and they have some positions open. DigitalOcean.com. Use our awesome promo code of power, Coder Digital, and a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. All right, Mr. Dominic, are you okay? Are you all right? Are you yeah, good? Fine. Okay. Just keep going. Just keep going. All right. Let's. No, I'm, I'm we'll, good. I'm we'll round out. We'll round out our Google I/O stuff with a little Android M stuff. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that is, is the shit. That is the hotness. There's a lot in M. There's a lot. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? I do. Also, the reason for all the street talk today is, I don't you feel like Android had a very hip hop vibe to it? Yeah, man. The I whole think, conference. It felt a little like you know rap video ish. Right? I think they're ready to throw down. And you will have granular permission on where they throw, how hard they throw, and what type of 40 you will pour out for your homies. So, so this, I mean, this, is, this permission thing is, a, is the big change, isn't it? That's really the big thing. It's now, uh, well, to be frank, exactly like iOS. Yeah, it is. Uh, but good, right? I mean, that's good. So the way it works now is just yeah, like in iOS, when the device, when the app needs access to the thing in the device, like the GPS or the microphone, it'll prompt you upon request, upon time of need. Would you like to allow access to the microphone? Which I think makes more sense, right? Because this all or nothing style is not good. It gives me context. I know in what context does my application need access to my contacts. When I'm installing an app, it's not entirely clear to me at the time of installation why it needs access to my contacts and my dialer. But if I go to do the action and I've pressed a button and then it's saying, hey, dummy, when you press this button, I need, I need permissions. That to me is a one-to-one relation. I go, oh, there need- is there is one permission though that I think they should leave. Uh, in fact, I don't think it should really be a permission. The internet permission, because like every app needs that. Yeah, you can't you can't ping every user to access the internet. That's gonna be nuts. Well, that is a permission though, right? That's a, so I'm not sure how that works in this new. Uh, presumably, every app would request the internet permission, which hmm. just seems spammy. Um. And then also, uh, you can go back in and toggle the stuff later too. They give you. They yeah. Give, give you, yeah. Uh, and then I guess if we're going to talk about stuff they've ripped off from um, from iOS, ooh, what? Ooh, a little, little, ooh, little, little. I guess tiny, well, Chris. While, while, while we're on it, and I'm just very thankful they've ripped this off. And let's be fair, dude, iOS has ripped some Android stuff off. They didn't rip off the notification tray very well either, unfortunately. Um, it's such a disaster on iOS. But the uh, the thing they've really ripped off from iOS in Android M finally is the improved copy stuff, the copy and cut stuff. Yeah. Is, yeah. I, I honestly, until this weekend, and I just had to finally ask somebody, I didn't, I still didn't fully know which one was copy and which one was cut and which one was paste. I mean, I didn't know there was a cut. Well, yeah. Well, because you know why so, I didn't know that is because different OEMs change the freaking icons. And so every phone has a yeah. different freaking icon for it. And it's, so now in M, it's, it's much more like iOS where there's a popover and all that. So I like that. But, um, what did you think of Chrome custom tabs? Allowing basically a developer to embed a Chrome tab in their application. It can even go out and prefetch the web contents in the background so when the user taps the link in the app, it's already loaded like a Bose. I think that's awesome. I wish iOS had that. Yeah, I, I, and it also solves, by the way, the security vulnerability in the web view where all these uh, apps have embedded web view objects that are now using the built-in Android browser that isn't getting patched anymore on older releases of Android, whereas this Chrome app is going to theoretically be updated through the Play Store. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot more, like, embedded web, even for just sections of apps, right? Just because there are elements you might want to change and not necessarily go through app review. Now, on Android, it's less of a big deal because you could push a review and people get it, you know, a couple hours. But ooh, this kind of thing, I'm telling you, this 
is going to make hybrid development a bit easier. Um, hybrid not in terms of like using something like Ionic, but hybrid in terms of literally having a few web views just like in your native app. Well, I'll tell you what Android M stands for. The M stands for more. It's negative in the freedom dimension. All these features uh, I'm about to talk about are more data for Google. You know what the real thing is here, and don't kid yourself, now you're logged in to your Google profile across all of the apps. The apps are no longer silos of activity that Google no longer has insights into, my friend. No, no. With Google with Google Chrome tabs, you are logged into your Google account in every single app. So that data hole is cleared up. And let's not kid ourselves. The new Google Now smart cards where you can pull up a Google Now yep. interface inside the app, the only way that works is if Google indexes all of the stuff in that well, app. That so that way you can say he yeah. and they instead of the person's name. Again, that's about collecting da- data inside your apps. Well, they, they, they as much as said that, right, that they're going to index apps. I mean, they didn't really hide. They, they said it on stage. That's right. Not, that's not creepy to you? I'm not saying they're being sneaky about it. It's obvious that's how you these know, things it's work. It's funny. Whenever I use a Google product, I kind of assume it's public. Is that I bad? feel like what this is is Google made a bet on the open web. More apps came out than they expected. More, m- more local right. apps, and so now they're like, "Well, crap! We have this huge, we have this huge blind spot inside the apps. How are we going to solve that?" And what Android M is about is solving that problem. I'm not saying you can make whatever conclusions you want. That's what it is. What did you think? So they've, they're kill- they're killing Google Wallet, kind of, sorta. They're transitioning to Android Pay. It's not even off the ground yet. Of course, you got to figure that's kind of a tough spot to be in because Apple Pay's logos are already in stores today. But one thing that Google is doing with Android Pay, I love this. Now we have Apple Pay and Android Pay. One of the things they're doing with Android Pay is they're t- they're partnering up with like Tel- uh, AT and T, Verizon, and T Mobile, I believe. Uh-huh. And uh, they are uh, they're going to do the setup for customers in the stores when you buy your phone. So they'll get your cards in there and get them all set up for you. That is going to help with adoption, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm actually using this really uh, innovative way to pay with my bank account and credit card. Uh, I have this leather thing. In some countries, it's called a valet. And uh, I pull out this little plastic card, Chris. It's almost the size of, you know, like a, like a like like the Ace of Spades, like that kind of card. And I run it through this little machine. It takes all of like four seconds. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm yeah. not saying it's gonna. I'm just saying I think it's a good move to get user adoption. Fingerprint API. What about that? Yeah. You happy to see the fingerprint API? That I am happy to see because it, that is going to help enterprise and corporate adoption. Alex Bell tells me in the chat room too that uh, one of the things that wasn't in the keynote, but one of the things that's been uh, also announced is uh, like a material design compact library to basically give you yep. ready to go material design stuff. That's pretty sweet for Android M. Okay, as an end user, I I can't believe. It took us this long to get dozing. So dozing is based on device or motion activity. It seems really smart to me. Uh, I don't know why we didn't have this in day one if you build a device with an accelerometer in it. Uh, so it should lead to big power savings. So the way it works is it monitors how long your device hasn't been moved, like at nighttime, looks at the clock and says, well, this device has been moved for two hours and it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to shut everything down into ultra-crazy low power mode for a while. But I have to wonder if I'm an app developer that needs to be active all night, like I'm the developer for Sleep as Android. Can I still tell the OS that I need to stay alive and not to kill me? And will that ruin dozing? How is that going to be different than today? Because there are a few apps that are designed to run all night long. So I wonder how dozing I think that's probably an edge case. Oh, man. But I love my Sleep as Android. It really is. It's almost like a medical, like it's very, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so, so not, not, not to cast a cloud on it, because I am actually very excited about Google I.O. This was probably the best year I've seen. Uh, all of these things for M don't matter until maybe Q1 2016. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, that's really kind of a bummer because one of the things right. that they've done with M that I don't remember them ever doing, at least not overtly with other previous releases, is if you want to be an OEM and you want Android M, then you have to build your device with USB-C because they're calling you support for USB-C and Android M feature. Which is, which is good. I mean, faster charging, reversible cable, which is surprisingly problematic for me not having one. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. But I mean, hey, it's, it, it's good to see them pushing the manufacturers. But you just, but you just nailed the problem. Yeah. Q1 2016, I want USB-C on my next phone. I am, so I'm switching to Android for a project maybe – Kind of now, and um, yeah, I, I, of the stack of Android phones I have, I ended up picking the Nexus Five, and I have like the S, the S Five. I have a HTC One Eight, HTC One Seven, um, various Motos, but the I don't know the Nexus Five still seems like the Cadillac. Other than may, maybe the S Five is nicer. S Six. Well, that I have right. I, I would say oh, the S Six oh, gotcha. is probably yeah yeah. yeah. Gotcha, yeah. I, I was really hoping for like a, a upgraded, really nice version of the Nexus Five, which we didn't get. No, but maybe with USB C we will. Maybe when Android M ships, because they did show a Nexus Five shaped device with a USB C connector on stage. I feel like that could have been just been a mock up, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, also, finally, they're going to auto sort your most recently used shared apps and contacts. So instead of having, I have like a three page long list of apps when I click share and Telegram's at the freaking bottom. Yes. And now it'll auto sort that. That's a nice little feature for Android. Because remember, guys, you add every share permission to your app. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I've heard, I've heard everything from a super boring I/O to Google has surpassed iOS in every way. Would you? Where do you fall in the spectrum? Well, I think it's unfair to call this year's uh, uh, conference calendar yet because uh, WWDC hasn't happened, right? You know, we've had Bill, which let's be yeah. honest, they're uh, they're fighting for third against no one. It's a rough fight, and uh, you know, Google. I, I think some people are disappointed. They expected, you know, a new language, which I'm so happy we didn't get, or some breakout uh, breakout features, but. Really, to me, this is huge, but it's huge in a subtle way. Like Brillo is Brillo and Weave are going to be huge. They're going to be huge in two years, right? It's going to be a slow, uh, kind of a slow build, right? Mm-hmm. Things that ship that you won't even know they're shipping it. Mm. It'll just be you know OEM kind of deals. Um, I think M is going to be really nice for developers and users alike. But again, it's it's not going to matter until next year, um, and that's and in Q1 is probably being conservative, right? Because depending on who you're targeting with your project, you may want to you know continue going down. Yeah, I also wonder since Android M, they, and maybe this is just them using marketing words, but they say a feature of Android M is USB C. Now that could just mean they have support for it, or it could mean right. they're requiring it. If they're requiring it, I wonder if that means Android M won't go to current devices. I can't imagine that be the case. But one I, of the things I, that I, I wouldn't read too much into it because yeah, you know what is Google's incentive to really lay down the hammer and push USB C? 
Right, and, and certainly refusing to update devices is not in Google's interest. I know what the I know what the incentive for them getting USB C out is. They have uh, one of the options in in uh, M is reversible charging. So when you yeah. plug a USB C device in, you can say instead of charging your phone, you could have your phone send power over that USB C connector. And you're right, like, you why would you, why would you want to do that? But you Android know, you th- Wear, yeah, you think about Android Wear. Yeah. You think about maybe a Nexus tablet with a big battery on it. You, I would absolutely sacrifice half my tablet's battery to recharge my phone any day. And uh, I would do that. I would also sacrifice some of my tablet's battery to sacrifice to charge my Wear device any day. Or if I could pull power off my laptop easier. Like, that's a genius feature. I, lo- I love the idea that, you know, these Android devices could send or receive power over USB-C. That's cool. I'm kind of excited to see where that yeah, goes. I, I think M is going to be a really great release. I think it is. I, you know, but we, they didn't really address, you know, some of the core problems that nope. we brought up, right? Nope. Nope. We don't know I mean, how. Sh- we have, you know, still the same, a lot of the yeah. same problems. I mean, Google Play service got a nice, you know, rah, rah, rah thing, but it was mostly lip service, right? It was... Google, I mean, Apple, if I was Apple, how do you not just come on stage and unload on Google for this problem? Like, how do you not just rub it in their face that their iOS... Well, Apple, well, Apple right now has their own problems, right? I mean, it, it, this is not... Is in, in a way, this year we're in a weird situation because iOS, especially A3, is incredibly glitchy. There are bugs in the WatchKit API. And you could say, well, it's very new. Yes, but it's a shipped product. And guess who's getting shipped for it? The app developer. It's a $400 minimum shipped product of that. Right. It's, um, you you could argue the SDK wasn't ready just based on how they did it. Um, Although I have a prediction, but I don't know if you want me to make it on this episode. Oh, let's do it before we forget. Might as well. Okay. My prediction is the native SDK for WatchOS that's coming out... uh, two weeks at DubDub, will be Swift only. Because that is the only way they're going to drag people kicking and screaming into Swift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And that, that, gives them a lot of, that gives them a lot of leverage to keep optimizing that to make it run better and better on the watch. Well, they've done a really good job of getting like, business people to think Objective-C is passe and like, old school. Like, surprisingly effective marketing. In fact, I heard a story today over lunch about someone losing a deal because the company, for no reason, wanted it done in Swift. So it's uh, surprising. Somebody was not me in this case, by the way. <laughs> Just to make that clear, I would totally, I would do it in Swift if you asked, but I still think it's not the right choice for hmm. almost everything. Yeah, it's uh, very early, if nothing else. Well, there's still problems, right? There are problems when execute. I mean, for this, you know, there's plenty of Apple podcasts you can listen to, but there's all kinds of problems with dealing with Swift right now. And you may say, oh, they're minor, you know, Apple patches them, but when you're on a deadline, the tooling cannot be messed up. Like, it just can't happen. Yeah. So back to Android really quick. I feel like this, like, when I stopped watching it and apparently missed myself getting screwed, um, I walked away thinking about Brillo mm. and being happy as a user about the uh, granular permissions in M. That was kind of it, though, but I was really happy about Brillo, mostly because I could rub it in your face. <laughs> Is that like uh, when you do you, but uh, I'm having a super hard time getting excited about Internet of Things in all ways. I don't. I don't think we're going to see super practical products that change my life. So That's the first one. Is a, Internet of Things is a crap term. Bad right? one. Bad one. Bad but, marketing. That's just bad marketing. 
Billion, they're saying billions of devices with network addresses yes. in, in, yes. in 10, 15 years. What, less than five way. years. Okay. It's not Internet of Things, right? Your phone isn't an Internet phone. It's a smartphone. This is smart insert device here. And, and it'll be my prediction is it begins with the home with dumb things for rich people, right? Like being able to talk to your lights, stupid stuff that only rich people would care about. No offense to rich people. Um, but as it becomes more democratized, right, we're going to have smart everything, which is going to be huge. How do you know I mean, that, though? Why is that such a foregone conclusion? What's the practical benefit? What do you mean? I mean, what's the practical benefit in having a 5K TV? It looks better. Okay, so um, I would say the practical benefit in, in, a, in let's just take the easy case, right? A smartphone home is it's convenience. Easier. Yeah, oh, yeah, laziness. Imagine, is, imagine if my yeah. my Keurig was smart enough to clean itself and right. not make me do the stupid so, vinegar. Trip. So the only way that works then is if you productize it and make it so easy, it's as easy to install as calling up an alarm company and having them come right. out and install your alarm. The problem is, just like alarm companies, none of them are going to be compatible. They're all going to require service contracts, and despite this Internet of Things and initiatives like Brillo and Weave. If they can't even get Android phones to be similar, there's no way in hell all of these OEMs who've never been you in this business their entire – You don't need to, right? You're, you're thinking about it through the lens of, of an IT guy and of someone thinking about the mobile market. This is not I'm buying an Android-powered uh, smart home. This is I'm buying a Chris's IoT company smart home. This is an opportunity for uh, hopefully small businesses but more likely evil conglomerates to totally pretend like Android Brillo doesn't exist, make their own system. And you're absolutely right. It will not be interop, but they will sell you the whole system. Right. And they will, they will leverage Brillo and Weave to right. create and their product. platform. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, you're that, saying I'm not going to be buying something from Hughes and something from GE and something from Whirlpool and something Kirkland brand and have them all work together. Now, what, what will probably happen is if you just like let's look at the computing market in the 80s, right? Um, there's going to be smaller companies who are more aggressive and do decide to be compatible simply because they can't scale. That's their the edge. System. That's their marketing. That's edge. their edge. Yeah. And they'll be a little cheaper, right? And that, that is, to me, incredibly exciting. But I, I've been waiting to have uh, – you know what? I'll use the Star Trek reference for you because I know you love it. <laughs> when I'm about to die in my spaceship – I want to be able to tell the ship to make me a gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I honestly have been even tempted by Amazon Echo a little bit for that. You know, hey, just, just be here in the studio. Alexa? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Alexa, fix me a gin and tonic. Yeah. Alexa, although, play Coda Radio. Know, although I kind of want it to be sassy. Like I like how Siri's kind of like, don't talk to me like that. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. yeah. Does Google tell you jokes? Uh, you know, I haven't because uh, Siri will do do that, right? You can so let's let's see. Okay, Google, no. tell me a joke. <laughs> nothing, man. Nothing. Nothing. Really, I, sometimes it's, I remember when I first got a, a Siri phone, I because my mother was very interested in it. I put her down on the table, turned on Siri, and just started hitting on Siri. Yeah. And she thought it was hilarious how Siri was shutting me down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, just Google's all about the business. It don't have time for joking around. It don't have time for joking around. Although Cortana's good too. See, that's that's that may be the problem though, right? Um, you're part of this whole smart because I refuse to say Internet of Things. 
the smart revolution, I really think you need voice control. And, you know, I think Apple has the tone the most right in terms of how it should operate, but they're the most limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Google does the most stuff, but it's kind of boring. Aren't we just days? Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. We're, yeah, we're days away from Cortana being cross-platform, if that's what you're thinking. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they I just announced Cortana, it for Android and uh, for uh, uh, iOS. iOS. Cortana may be the middle ground, but I, I don't see a lot of these types of companies that I'm envisioning signing a contract with Microsoft. And I don't see Microsoft wanting to sign that contract, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I, 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 you know, no, no disrespect, no, uh, not dismissing Microsoft in this arena, but. I, I don't see a lot of Windows 10 smart devices. And, you know, anywhere. it's interesting we're talking about this right now between I.O. and right. WWDC because 9to5Mac says that next week the first HomeKit platform devices will see their uh, launches like uh, smart locks, lights, cameras, doors, thermostats, plug switches uh, will be announced. And then they those things have Siri integration, which that is kind of cool because you're taking what you're saying, and if you yeah. take these home devices, integrate them with Siri. That's a nice. That's there's people that are going to like that. Well, and you know, just if we can dip down into the sci-fi realm because that's a lot of this stuff is inspired by, right? Think about all the AI personal assistants that are memorable to you. They all are have attitudes, right? You think Jarvis? They have a personality. They're not just oh, your flight takes off in an hour and a half. You you better you know haul it down the park. Yeah, and get I mean to, that's got to be why Siri has a little toot, right? Right, and and that's why Siri, even though Siri is somewhat limited compared to the competition, is still very popular. Right, people talk about Siri, and not just people like us. Regular people enjoy using Siri. People also, like, and we're doing it right now, refer to Siri sort of as a person or a thing. Like, like, like yeah. my kids talk about like they they you know I think that first they thought Siri was a person. I found myself saying thank you to Siri often. <laughs> thank you, Siri. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Like, yeah, so you like got very. You got a yeah, lot of strange. you got a lot of oh boy you got you got very interesting approaches here, and uh, yeah. I just I I am still you. so damn skeptical. Although I was very skeptical of where, and now I'm oh, starting to enjoy you're it. Wrong, I'm telling you. This, I this think is- your 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 theory sounds really solid. Like what you just said yeah. makes a lot of sense, and I can even see some business opportunity in your in your version of it uh, for uh, small independent but, developers. Well, but, now that my golf app is off, I guess I have a little bit of bandwidth. Jeez, dude. All right, That's well, just rough. We have some emails to get to before we wrap up today. But first, I want to mention the Linux Academy for the Coder Radio audience. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go there to get the Coder Radio discount. Linux Academy is seriously right up your alley. If you listen to any JB programming, this is designed for you because these are built by enthusiasts and educators and developers. Step-by-step video courses, downloadable comprehensive study guides. It comes with your own server. So as you go along in the courseware, they spin it up and there's seven plus distros you get to pick from. They have scenario-based labs. So I love that because you're going to do common tasks every day in real-world environments. You're going to get the confidence to actually work with this stuff. And if you ever need instructor help, they've got that. Seven-plus Linux distributions for you to choose from. It'll adjust the courseware. They've added some new Red Hat certified courses. you got to go check those out. I was just talking to Noah about those. They've launched a whole bunch of stuff recently. I've got a whole printout here of it. I've got two pages worth of courseware they've launched recently. Two pages worth. That's why the Linux Academy uh, subscription is, is such a value. Uh, so uh, the new uh, – check out – oh, check out check out the Nuggets. Check out the DevOps Essentials course. Check out the OpenStack stuff that just got updated. Oh, man, the AWS CSA Pro is now available to the Founders Clubs, and it's going to be available to everyone else soon uh, in just a couple of days, about two weeks from now. Uh, a lot of really good stuff that's gone live. And also, I love these nuggets. In fact, if you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, then click on the nuggets link. Check this out. Go deep dive on a singular topic. 
huh? This is really a cool idea. So instead of going to a whole eight-hour course, you just spend like 30 minutes to two hours or something like virtual box, cloning a VM, building a firewall with IP tables, Pixie boot server, the basics of single sign-on and active directory. All these are just nuggets where you can go in there and when you just have a little time, you have – no, I get to take care of it. And all, one of the other things they do, if you're a little tight on time, is they have these uh, availability sliders. You can go in there and say, I have this much availability, and it will create courseware for you and help set up reminders. They have a great active community because, of course, as Linux and open source enthusiasts, they get how important community is. OpenStack, PHP, Amazon Web Services, Android, Linux, top to bottom, Ruby on Rails, Ruby itself, DevOps, you got it. Red Hat, of course, all of it and more at Linux Academy. Go over there and just try it out. There's more than I can even, even tell you. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. A big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Now, I don't know if you have any more from IO, Mr. Dominic, or I could get to Esteban's email. But, uh, Go what, for it. Okay. Esteban writes in with a follow-up on – we were talking about like methodologies and getting super focused on methodologies, and we talked a little bit about maybe using Getting It Done by uh, David Allen. Well, Esteban writes and he says, thanks for another great show. The company that bought our company is a big proponent of Six Sigma. Have you heard of this, Mr. Dominic? Six Sigma? Oh, yeah. Let's do it like Jack Welsh. Six Sigma is another getting it done system. Make sure you put that one in air quotes, kids. So the, the, the emails from headquarters of the new company, besides having their name and position in their signature, Show have, me a black belt. Have Show their me a six black belt. sigma status as part of their email signature. For example, six sigma black belt. With a six sigma certificate, one will be able to karate chop away an obstacle to their goal. So it is now more yes. important to follow the six sigma system than to actually accomplish the task. Yeah, it's funny how that works, huh? Funny. Funny how that works. You know what that gets in, in my book? That gets you a little. Why, wait, wait, the ability to just karate chop away problems, that's a feature. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we like. We are not trying to say systems and all systems are bad. In fact, sometimes processes can be very beneficial. But this is such a good example where it becomes part of the culture to game. Human beings are lazy by nature, and if there's a way to game a system or play a different game than the hard game, that's what they'll play. Especially as you get more people and blame gets more and more deferred, it becomes more and more of a problem. And when management is more and more removed, it's a bigger and bigger problem. End of soapbox. So so you have no interest in joining me in a Six Sigma Hunger Games style battle royale. Now, listen, I am not an animal. I'm not going to lie. Of course I want to be a ninja. (laughs) Yeah, see? Yeah, obviously. I want to be a ninja. Our weapons will be fountain pens, (laughs) leather portfolio cases, and of course... 1999 smartphones. Oh, man. Otherwise, just big-ass cell phones. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I, I'd be all in for that. I, I, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I want to be, be a super, super ninja. Hey, can we, before we run real quick, can, can I just – have you seen this announcement about GitTorrent, a decentralized GitHub? Have you heard about this? Yes. I, I, can I recommend another decentralized GitHub? Yeah. Git. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Just use Git the right way. Yeah, I know. This problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what they mean, though. Uh, I do. I, I, the whole thing is GitHub just has issues. It gets hacked. It gets DDoSed by China. I mean, we've covered these problems here. Yeah. So the whole idea is taking Git and putting it over another protocol like Torrent. So decentralized GitHub. And then the idea would be like, I could just give you a key. I give you that key and that boom, you've got the repo and you're syncing it. You're part of the swarm. It's kind of neat, don't you think? 
Yeah, I, I'm sure it raises a lot of like you know IP problems if it's proprietary code or client code or yeah. whatever. No, but, I think it's all open code, and it's and it's uh, I don't know. I just thought I just thought maybe you might want to read about it. I'll put a link in the show notes. I did read about it. You know what it is for me? Git is such a vital tool for me that I, I'm not going to mess with it. Right? Yeah, I totally understand. But to me, it gives me. Uh, I I also am not having I no no use case for this. But it gives me like a little warm and fuzzy to know somebody out there is fighting the good fight and building our boat of salvation should the good, good ship GitHub begin to take on too much evil water. Okay, but we, we should all have not – right? You shouldn't need that. That's the problem with what you're doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I've been on this. You guys are using Git the wrong way train for a while. Uh, and not much else to say because I mean this isn't this isn't going to do anything. Um, yeah, I mean that. You're right. I mean, yeah, really, yeah, really. Uh, I, I, I see the value in having it go over torrent, but you know, as a backup tool, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I think that what the real issue is not Git; it's GitHub. I don't right. Know, right. That's 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 what they're trying to. That's what they're trying to. But build I, I would go a step further as I have before and say the issue is not GitHub. It's that people are using GitHub like SVN because they're not using Git the right way. Yes. Right. And then that leads to a bad time usually. Well, I mean, it can, but, but the problem is GitHub is so easy to use for most people that you know ninety nine percent of the time it's just fine no matter what you do. Right. So. I I miss Mercurial. See, the reason why I pay attention a little bit to it because with Google Code shutting down, places like SourceForge are total ass. Uh, I just I just wonder if we're just becoming so dependent on GitHub. GitHub is like now a resume requirement. I I don't know. I just what are you talking about? Run a GitLab server or for or, practical or do... for practical purposes? Sure, like for getting actual work done, absolutely. But in terms of the social, I it's like LinkedIn. Like I feel so much frickin' social pressure to be on LinkedIn that it's it's like it becomes almost relevant because the industry expects it. Okay, well, there's um, let's see, Bitbucket, Git, GitLab dot com. They're yeah, basically Git, I, GitHub. I know, but you know how the market works. People want to see your they want to see your GitHub account. That's what I, it's here's here's what I'm not complaining about it. Actually, I think it's fine. Right. It works. Right. I'm just saying it's, what I like is the idea that somebody is building an alternative in the background, slowly but surely, tooling away at something. Should we right. ever have a problem? It's nice to know there could be salvation. I don't. I don't even I don't even really have the same issue with GitHub that you do. I, it seems to me the market just this things these things come and happen. We've had MySpaces come and go. Yeah, but if you were not using GitHub in the way that I'm very openly criticizing, uh, and if you're using it as that like portfolio, well, it's just another portfolio right, site for you, right? right? Yeah. it's not any different than you having a page on some web mm-hmm. web developer or whatever developer directory. I don't have any. This. See, I don't really take any issue with using GitHub for that purpose. But, right, and neither do I, right? Like, I, I don't use GitHub for any, any. Right now, I only use GitHub for open source. And you did you? And when you moved to you moved to GitLab, but it was mostly because of costs, right? It was because of cost, and I don't like. Uh, you know, GitHub is not, in my opinion, great for having a company if you have employees. Mm. And I know that's pretty controversial because people have written in about it before. Um, I really think that GitHub focuses too much on the social aspect, and it felt more like, you know, for open source, you know, it's great that, you know, 
so and so is helping on a project. But for if you're doing proprietary work, client work, I really, really want to have some sort of control over those accounts. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I you know, I, I, you, maybe I'm a little old school. Like I was uncomfortable with people using their personal accounts, um, not because I thought they'd do anything wrong, but because if their personal email ever got compromised, you could see how this would could potentially cascade, right? Um, but again, I know that's a very kind of old mindset. Yeah, I, I don't things. think I, I don't know. I think Silk Ray is he is miscarried. I don't think anyone is saying it's evil. I think what we're saying is people are, people are either misusing it or people are using yeah, it. GitHub is a great tool. It's just that people are not they're using GitHub and not Git, and that mm-hmm. is can cause some problems. That's so beautiful, Mister Dominic. That is, you know, and if people had opinions on this. They could totally go to coderadio.reddit.com. That's Ooh. right, coderadio.reddit.com. That's the show subreddit. And uh, leave some feedback in the feedback thread or start your own thread or submit a story. In fact, that's where we got the GitTorrent story from, thanks to Astruct. It looks like as tucked, as trucked in the uh, subreddit. Thank you for saying that. And also, in the show notes, you'll find the entire Google I.O. keynote. That was linked by Micro89 in our subreddit. So we've put that for reference if you didn't get all the Google I.O. stuff like uh, Mr. Dominic's golf app. You can find a link to that in the show notes and also a link to the uh, Git Torrent stuff. Mr. Dominic, is there anything else that uh, is con- contractually required of us to cover on a Monday at this point? No, I would just, uh, if I can, like to send people to Buccaneer.io. Yes. In fact, I would recommend Buccaneer.io to your, to your friends, friends, family, and even enemies. Especially to your enemies. Have them click on virus.exe. <laughs> Did you know that I have a new Twitter account and you're not following me? Well, you might not be because it's a brand new account. I, it's the same name, but new account. Twitter.com slash Chris Ellis. You might be, Mr. Dominic. Of course you, I am. I you sent might. you dirty pictures yeah, all the time. That's true. That's true. But uh, this, listeners out there, you're probably not because I just set it up. But it's confusing because I just kept the same name. It's really weird. Uh, hey, guess what? Coda Radio is live on a Monday. Join us next week. Won't you we do the show on Monday, noon, Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern? Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. Don't forget to email us. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Coda Radio from the drop down. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.